Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. Governor Gavin Newsom has issued a drought emergency declaration for Mendocino and Sonoma counties. At a news conference yesterday, he said his administration is closely watching to see if things get worse. Parts of the state are in extreme conditions like this. Other parts of our state are not experiencing the kind of extreme conditions that we're experiencing here in Northern California. As a consequence, we'll be signing an executive order that spells that out, more of an iterative framework that recognizes unique characteristics that persist and exist in different parts of the state of California. The governor stopped short of declaring a statewide drought. According to the latest U.S. Drought Monitor report, most of California is in either severe, extreme, or exceptional drought. In the Klamath Basin along the Oregon-California border, 2021 is shaping up to be the driest year in recorded history. Jefferson Public Radio's Eric Newman reports. The Klamath Water Users Association's Ben Duval told a crowd of farmers what to expect for a summer of unprecedented drought last week. But I'd like to say that we're all in this together. In places, there'll probably be just enough water to fight over. Local water managers estimate the 33,000-acre feet going to irrigators is just 8% of what they actually need to farm. The scant water coming into Upper Klamath Lake is also a problem for endangered Lost River and Shortnose suckers, fish that are culturally significant to the Klamath tribe. Downstream in the Klamath River, it's the same story for California's Karuk and Yurok tribes, and two species of salmon that are plagued by disease brought on by shallow, warm water. Amy Cordalis is an attorney for the Yurok tribe. We've been killing our baby salmon year after year after year. And so they can't take much more. Oregon Governor Kate Brown and the state's congressional delegation have pledged financial aid and drought assistance for farmers in the basin. For the California Report, I'm Eric Newman. Consumer advocates are asking state utility regulators to require that the utility PG&E pay ratepayers back for a new multi-billion dollar round of financing the company is putting towards wildfire liabilities. The CPUC is expected to take the issue up today. Mark Tony, executive director of the Utility Reform Network, calls it a bailout. The CPUC needs to guarantee that shareholders are going to pay customers back 
when customers make the monthly payments on these wildfire bonds. Payments that Tony says will appear on customer bills for the next 30 years. Wildfire smoke may not be just choking on the lungs. It may also irritate the skin. KQED health reporter Leslie McClurg has more on a new study from researchers at UCSF and UC Berkeley. Previous research shows a link between skin conditions like eczema and polluted cities. Now scientists suggest short-term bursts of wildfire smoke may cause the skin to flare up. During a two-week period of a campfire in 2018, the number of patients seeking medical treatment for itchy skin increased significantly. Pediatric visits increased 90% compared to the same period during earlier years. UCSF's Raj Fadadu is the lead author on the study. Air pollution exposure leads to widespread exacerbation. So it maybe not only affects patients who have pre-existing skin disease, but could have maybe far-reaching outcomes in patients with even healthier skin. Fadadu recommends people stay indoors as much as possible when it's smoky. If you head outside, he advises long sleeves and pants. For the California Report, I'm Leslie McClurg. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. In the wake of the conviction of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd, Oakland's police chief is calling for more progress on police accountability. Chief Laron Armstrong, speaking at a news conference yesterday, said this can be a time for meaningful change. He said his department is working with the community to hear their concerns, but he knows that changes aren't going to happen overnight. Young people across California have been an integral part of organizing rallies and marches since the death of George Floyd last May. But with the conviction of Derek Chauvin, they say they know this is just the beginning of the fight when it comes to policing and racial equality. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi spoke with 16-year-old Luna Ekundayo, who is co-founder of the Oakland-based group Black Youth for the People's Liberation. Do you and your friends, when you go out, when you hang out, when you're in your car driving, do you have a concern still that you could be the next George Floyd, that something bad could happen to you because of the way police react to situations in this country? Yeah, um, 100%. I think the last thing that I can concretely recall is I was at Bay Street, Emeryville, at the, the mall, whatever you want to call it, And it was my friend's going away party and we were all sitting outside and I had my speaker and I wanted to play music. And they all told me not to play it too loud because they didn't want to attract too much attention and get in trouble. 
And one of the first things that they referenced was George Floyd and other police killings. So it's a very real, tangible fear that Black men and Black people in general have of being penalized for doing the things that everyone else is allowed to do freely. And so that's one example. And again, there are a million and one, but just generally, we have to be persistent and very aware of our surroundings in a way that we shouldn't have to be. I think constantly having to watch our backs and make sure we're being respectable and um, not doing anything, even as innocent as it possibly could be, like riding in your car. We have to make sure that we're as cautious, respectable, and safe as possible all the time. Um, it's like constantly having to monitor yourself because you know that there's always a third party watching, waiting for you to slip up. And that's part of the everyday struggle, isn't it? That's part of what you guys are fighting for is that you don't want to have to live your life that way on an everyday basis. Yeah, exactly. I think um, I think generational trauma contributes to it as well, but we have to be hyper aware and hyper cautious in every single situation because we never know which one is the one that's going to get us killed. What is next for the movement? And is there hope that there could be tangible change coming? I mean... You never really know. I really hope so. I think that if we continuously push and push like we have been doing for literally ever since <laughs> since slaves were emancipated, since even not even the American chattel slavery, just in general, our, our Haitian revolutions, emancipation of the slaves, the civil rights era, we've been fighting for a very long time and change is gradual and slow. And it's not always exactly how we want it to be, but I believe that we should keep fighting. I think it's necessary for our liberation, for everybody's liberation to continue the fight. And I don't know exactly what direction we're gonna go in, but I think just acknowledging the fact that more work needs to be done and that we are the people who are going to do that work is necessary. That was Luna Ekendayo, founder of Kanju and co-founder of Black Youth for People's Liberation in Oakland. Luna, thanks so much for your time today. We appreciate Thank you. it. Thank you. State lawmakers are expected to vote on California Attorney General nominee Rob Bonta's nomination later today. It comes a day after he was pressed on how he would handle various high-profile issues should he be confirmed. KQED's Katie Orr has the story. Hearings in the Assembly and Senate were generally friendly, but legislators did grill the Oakland Assemblyman about his views on gun violence, access to health care, and regulating marijuana, among other things. Bonta was also asked how he'd implement a new state law that requires the attorney general's office to investigate law enforcement officers involved in shootings that result in the death of unarmed civilians. Those who are grieving the loss of life of family members who died during interactions with law enforcement, anyone who's being investigated, the legislature in California, all deserve that we get it right. Bonta says any investigation must be thorough and accurate so that the public trusts the results. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento. We're going to turn to the education beat now. L.A. Unified Superintendent Austin Butner is stepping down when his contract expires at the end of June. In a letter to the district's Board of Education, Butner said his time as superintendent was the most rewarding job he's had in his 40-year career. He's headed the state's largest school district since May of 2018. L.A. Times education reporter Howard Bloom tells the California Report Butner's actions during the pandemic may be his lasting legacy. 
He also decided the district would run its own coronavirus testing program. It's one of the only districts to be doing that. And again, that was, comes at great potential cost. He did not know if he was going to get reimbursed. It, it did not really end up opening schools faster, but it may yet play a role in building confidence in the safety of schools. But Butner has faced his fair share of criticism as well, particularly over not getting schools open sooner. The board says it'll conduct an extensive search to find a replacement. Low-wage workers in the Bay Area and all around California say their bosses often fail to inform them of their rights during the pandemic and may even retaliate if they ask for COVID-19 protections. That's according to a new survey of more than 600 frontline workers, including in restaurant, home health care, and janitorial jobs. KQED's Farida Javala-Romero reports. California law requires employers to tell workers of the COVID-19-related benefits they may be entitled to. But when Lorena Velasquez took time off to get her vaccine and then recover from side effects, she says her employer at a fast food restaurant in Oakland retaliated and cut her hours in half. Now she's worried about supporting her sons. We've heard a lot that when workers exercise their right to paid leave, um, or even unpaid leave, they get retaliated against. Alejandra Domenzain is with UC Berkeley's Labor Occupational Health Program. She co-authored the new report that found one in three workers are not comfortable reporting coronavirus symptoms to their bosses, and three in five are not getting information from employers about COVID paid sick leave as required by law. As long as there is no vigorous enforcement of labor laws, employers will continue to violate workers' rights. A spokeswoman for the California Department of Industrial Relations says its enforcement agencies have been working hard to investigate workplace complaints. She says Kalosha has issued $4.6 million in citations for safety hazards related to COVID, while the labor commissioner is investigating more than 600 retaliation complaints connected to the pandemic. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. That's the California Report for this Thursday, April 22nd. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you for listening. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash adapting care. Water heaters only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured. Open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone, everywhere. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.